You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're watching Pirate Breakdown with Sutton Young. Join Sutton every Wednesday night on The Sports Objective as he talks East Carolina football. Here's Sutton. You know, it's a little surprise. We're on here on a Friday night with a little over an hour until ECU and BYU kick off in Provo. But you know what? The days don't matter. We're still going to give you the same great information. We've got Bubba with me tonight. Bubba, I think first things first, uh, the win against UCF, in my opinion, was the most complete team win I have seen in the Mike Houston era since he's been here. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, that seems to have been uh, the sentiment of most around the Pirate program, that uh, that was definitely the, the most impressive win of the Mike Houston era, uh, you know, and rightfully so. You know, you had the you did have the win over SMU, a team that was either in or just outside of the top 25, very much like UCF. But, you know, that win, as good as it was, uh, that was game nine of that very weird 2020 season. Last weekend, I mean, this came in the heart of the schedule. Pirates still have a chance in the league race. Uh, you never know what could happen if we continue to play um, excellent football, which we are right now. And we're we're five and three and uh, a lot of good things ahead of us uh, and depending on how we take care of our business. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, I mean, I love ECU just as much as anybody else does. But And you know this, Bubba, I'm not – I'm not soft on giving ECU wins. I'm going to say it straight up. If I think they're going to win, I'm going to say, yeah, I think they're going to win. If, they, if I think they're going to lose, I'm going to say it. So I, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, everyone who I was talking to about it just was in shock. Not as in about the game, but just, frankly, a lot of it, too. UCF just looked like they decided to go to Disney World instead. Yeah, I wasn't surprised that the Pirates won. It was more so um, just the dominating fashion in which we did win. And yes, I know, uh, you know, you look at the, the stat sheet, you know, as they say a lot of times, you know, stats are, are for losers. And yes, the Pirates had an advantage in the yards, but a lot of those yards for UCF, and at least probably 150 of them came when the Pirates were playing a little. Softer in the secondary, and you know, making them, um, making sure that they drove the distance and didn't give up any cheap explosion plays to let them back into the game after having that 17 point lead. But, uh, you know, what a performance in all three phases outside of the, the field goal that was missed on the opening possession. I mean, you saw the offense execute with so much consistency, not having to punt until uh, halfway through the fourth quarter. You saw the defense four, four turnovers, and you saw um, the kickoff coverage was excellent. And you saw Malik Fleming have a nice punt return or two, and uh, you saw uh, Andrew Conrad, and you saw him bounce back after uh, doinking that first one off the upright. Um, and it looked like he, he hit it well. He just pulled it a little bit. And um, you know, Coach Houston said, and it was, I guess it was either his radio show or his weekly press conference, Hey, I went and put my arm around him, asked him if he was all right, and he said, "He said I'm good, coach." And then he certainly showed it the rest of the night, even though he didn't hit a 
lengthy field goal, and you know, he split the uprights and uh, you know converted all of his extra points and and uh, you know reflected you know what he had said to Coach Houston, and you know, hopefully he'll continue to progress and, uh, and give the Pirates some stability in the place kicking game. Yeah, and that's something I'm waiting to see from Andrew is a long field goal, a good mid-40s field goal. I'm waiting to see that out of him. I mean, uh, it's pretty clear to me that he's looked better than Owen. I mean, if you look at the extra points and really just all around special teams just looks better. And I'm not saying it was all on Owen. I'm not. I mean – Started earlier in the year after we lost to State. The field goal really was not on him. But I, put all that in the past, I think right now special teams is looking all right. And Andrew Congrack has a lot to do with that. Well, that's the thing. The PAT field goal situation had been so dire and so extreme, uh, you know, through the first half of the season, uh, having, having missed six PATs, that – you know, it was giving a black eye to all the special teams because it was it was so poor. Um, because really, our you know return game had been good, our coverage had been good on both uh, punts and kickoffs, and and then you did have the block punt against NC State. And no, our net punting ha- had not been what we would like for it to be. But uh, Luke Larson has steadily improved. He, he only had to punt once a week ago, and that one was a good one. Uh, I think netted 41 yards and it was in a key situation and, you know, UCF was coming after it and he got it off and uh, was able to angle it away from the UCF return man and uh, give it out of bounds about the 15 yard line. So yeah, on the whole special teams are, uh, are progressing and it was really just the PAT field goal. And then also to a lesser degree, the, the punt team, that was giving um, special teams a, a black eye. But, yeah. um, you know, earlier, Sutton, off the air, we are talking about the performance of Holton Aylers. You know, Holton's had an excellent season, and he's been even better in these last two weeks. Um, just so so steady. And, um, you know, Donnie Kirkpatrick, as well as Mike Houston, has referenced uh, his decision-making and just his ability to, to check in or out of plays and just – make good decisions, and a a poor decision has been very rare these last two weeks. He's he's completed 80% of his passes, 56 out of 70, um, 600-plus yards, and just, you know, putting the football exactly where it needs to be and on time and allowing guys like Isaiah Winstead and C.J. Johnson, Ryan Jones to make plays. No, absolutely. And I think really the biggest takeaway – is myself included, I've talked with many people about this, is for UCF, we were looking at wins for the CCU team, and I'm thinking, okay, we got Temple. We got Temple. We got Temple. But I I couldn't really think of another one with how poorly we had played against Tulane. And, I mean, the, the ECU certainly proved me wrong. And I'll say this, if ECU plays like they played, against UCF. Not only will they win the game tonight, but they will also beat Houston because Houston is not the team we expected they would be. You look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati, of course, is red hot. They look good. They haven't lost since they 
went to Fayetteville and lost to the Razorbacks. And, I mean, Temple's a joke. So, I mean, do I think this team is going to get to the six-win mark? Yes, I do. I said to start the year six and six, I mean, they could get to seven and five. Who knows? Maybe eight and four. I mean, not trying to knock on wood. They could win out. But we don't know. That's the beauty of football is surprises. And we were certainly surprised with the performance last week. Now, going into the matchup tonight, ECU in Provo for just the second time in school history. Uh, 45-38 was the final the last time the Pirates went to Provo. ECU on the shorter end of that stick, but ECU has beaten the Cougs. Uh, They beat them, I believe it was 34-17 when Scotty Montgomery was the coach of East Carolina, and frankly, it did not look like a Scotty Montgomery coached team that day that ECU beat BYU. Uh, So that it's been a it's been a short series, but it's been a good series too. And I, I, Bubba, I think that the game tonight is going to be a good game. I definitely agree. And you know, before we talk about tonight's game, uh, since you mentioned uh, this series, uh, obviously third matchup with the Cougs, and you know, uh, as you look at um, yeah, yes, that 2017 game, the Pirates uh, were victorious. Um, 33-17 at Dowdy Ficklin. And that night, it was two bad football teams. I'm just being honest. I mean, that that was that was the least potent of an offense um, by BYU, who you think of as having great offenses. Right. And in that night, um, it was a game that both programs desperately needed. And I think they finished 4-9 that year. The Pirates, of course, were uh, – Finishing three and nine in year two of Scotty Montgomery, but um, that 2015 game, that start to the 2015 game is exactly what we need tonight. Yeah, you know, we start we started that game um, 14 to nothing. James Summers had a probably about a 30 35 yard touchdown run, and then we blocked a punt and Giannis Bowden, uh, you know, crawling on all fours. Uh, in the the left corner of the end zone, recovered it to to give the Pirates that two touchdown lead before uh, they lost forty five to thirty eight. Uh, Blake Kemp, I recall him coming on in relief of James Summers, and he had a he had a big night throwing the football uh, like he did a few times that season, like down in the swamp. But um, and Bryce Williams, uh, he had a big night. So uh, hopefully, we'll. I really think uh, looking at this matchup. You know, as we get to the here and now, um, I was talking to Garrett McClintock, who's with BYU's 24-7 site this afternoon, and he says that, you know, he really thinks we have an advantage, you know, pretty much in every phase in this matchup, you know, particularly offensively and defensively. Just they've really struggled to, to stop the run, and that bodes well with having a guy like Keaton Mitchell, he said Keaton Mitchell was on his fantasy team with his home run hitting ability. He was well aware of him, and um, obviously Marlon Gunn carried the ball um, very well. He didn't have a ton of yards last week, but he had some nice runs and you know, made something to nothing a few times against UCF. And so I really like that one-two punch that Mitchell and Gunn give us, and and not only uh, that, but they're 
their defense, although they're big in the trenches, they've really struggled to, to pressure opposing quarterbacks. And, and I, I like those matchups. Um, you know, when we've seen what Winstead and C.J. Johnson can do, you know, who knows, maybe you have Jalen Johnson back into the mix. And we've seen what he's capable of when, when he had that nine-catch game, I guess it's against Old Dominion. So uh, I think the Pirates, as long as we don't turn the football over, I think we'll be um, great offensively on the defensive side. Um, you look at BYU, they certainly have uh, playmaking ability. They have a solid quarterback in, in Jaron Hall, 19 touchdowns, three interceptions. He did have his worst game of the year. A week ago, 16 out of 34 against Liberty. Uh, they've they struggled to run the football at times, and tonight they're going to be without um, Christopher Brooks, uh, who's a transfer from Cal, uh, and the former Cal Bear uh, is out with an injury, and he's accounted for nearly 500 yards on the ground, five or six touchdowns, and then they're also without their top receiver, Cody Epps, a playmaking freshman who had nearly 40 receptions and six touchdowns. So they're missing, you, you look at it, 900 to 1,000 yards of production and 11 touchdowns. So that's a lot to make up for, and they certainly have some guys. Uh, Puka Nakua, um, a talented receiver who's a Provo native that transferred back from the University of Washington. He's a guy to keep an eye on. He's had something like 15 catches for 250-plus yards the last two weeks. And then also um, uh, Keanu Hill, uh, he's a he's a playmaker, uh, 400 yards receiving, four touchdowns. So those are a couple guys to keep an eye on uh, that they'll really be leaning on uh, with those other guys' absence. Certainly, uh, certainly agree with that, Bubba. It, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. I was reading some articles this week on the game and. People in the Provo BYU fans really think of this game, in all honesty, as a make-or-break game because they, they've they only got four wins, and they have one FCS team left. I think it's Utah Tech, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, And the other FBS teams they have on this schedule uh, are not easy opponents, to say the least. So many BYU fans think that this is a must-win for them. And I'll tell you, Bob, I think you knew this. I was originally planning on going out to this game. But with how good BYU looked early on and, frankly, how bad we looked early on, I, I was just like, you know what? I mean, the Uber prices from Salt Lake City to Provo were, were not an easy, not a cheap penny. So uh, I'd say, you know, I'm just going to stay back. But now I'm kind of regretting not going because I do think the Pirates have a chance to win tonight. Bubba, what's your score prediction, man? Uh, that's what I really hadn't thought about a specific score, but uh, let's see. I will go, um, let's, let me say East Carolina 38, uh, BYU 27. I'll go 38, 27 Pirates. Okay. But, uh, something else I wanted to point out just I talked about how they're missing their top running back and even prior to that they struggled to run the football uh, I, I think with the Pirates uh, ability to stop the run if that continues tonight which I don't see uh, why it wouldn't but if we go out there and uh, and do what we need to do in the trenches and slow down the run uh, I really see us being able to make them one-dimensional so I think if we can you know, continue our recent trend of um, in the turnover battle, but just hold up on the back end. You know, UCF had some opportunities to make a play or two, 
early last week and they didn't capitalize. So, uh, you know, hopefully we will uh, not present those same chances to BYU yeah. and, and we'll be sound in the secondary. And, uh, you know, if we can get off to a fast start, a team like this has lost three in a row. Yes, they're at home, but they could really start, you know, uh, doubting some things because, you know, head coach Kalani Sataki, you know, he's taken over the defensive play calling duties and he's a defensive minded head coach. And, and uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what, if anything, uh, they've, they've altered uh, defensively. You know, maybe not necessarily so much changing their scheme uh, at this point, especially since they haven't had the open date to, to do anything like that, but more so like when they call what they do, you know. So, um, yeah. So it, it will be interesting nonetheless to, uh, to see how they attack Holt Naylor's, right. uh, who's such a seasoned quarterback. No, I agree with that. Um, I've gone back and forth, and I'm going to quote Lee Corso. I remember when we played BYU in 2015 game, it was at, was at Utah. And I remember he said, East Carolina will score, but BYU will win. I've been going back and forth on this game. And, and I know it's kind of superstitious, but a lot of times when I've picked East Carolina to lose, they win. And it's all, it's a big momentum game. There's part of me who thinks that ECU is going to blow them out with how the teams are playing. There's another part of me where I think that BYU is just so hungry and motivated, and we're still fresh off this UCF win. I think the difference in this game, frankly, is the coaching of Mike Houston, and I'm going to give East Carolina the win today. And I think ECU is going to score quite a bit. I am going to say that ECU will once again put up 38 points in Provo. You said 38. I'm going to say 38 too. I'm going to say 38 35. It's going to be closer than what you think. It's a three and a half line. Right now, in favor of BYU, I think it's going to be around that. 38-35 is my score. East Carolina becomes bowl eligible for the second straight year. Bubba, thank you for joining me, and thank you all for joining me as well. Go have yourself a beer, get some chicken wings, and go watch the game. It's going to be a great one. Have a great night.